Howdy, tons of little files. Welcome to another episode of Escaping the Cave at escapingthecave.com. No Twitter, no Facebook. Well, I do have a Twitter account. Fuck Twitter, though, right? Can we all agree on that today? Got more on that coming up. <laughs> it is Wednesday, March 11th, 2020, post-Michigan primary day. I would like to say thank you, Michigan. Thank you, God. This thing's almost over with. Last time I checked, Bernie Sanders still in the primary. He's got a debate coming up on Sunday. Apparently, he wants to take the stage, at least on uh, Sunday, to... uh, I don't know what he wants to do. Do you? Any idea? (laughs) I can't imagine he wants to go on stage and eviscerate Biden. Make some more, one more, you know, last gasp desperate attempt to win this primary. I can't imagine he wants to do that. I think he probably wants to go out there, make one more point, one more defense of the revolution, and try to steer the Bernie babies back toward Biden. Much more on this coming up here in a little bit. Much more. Uh, I'm going to start, though, this podcast. Uh, by the way, I want to remind you, check those feeds Make sure you're subscribed to an Escaping the Cave feed. And if you like the podcast, share it. I don't have a marketing budget. I don't do anything on social media to speak of. I do have a Twitter account. I post maybe one or two episodes every time I release one. That's it, man. So I'm kind of relying on people who like this podcast to share it. So go ahead and do that. Now, there are more important things going on in the world this week. Even more important than Bernie Biden, believe it or not. Uh, The news on Monday was insane. I'm back on my daytime schedule. And when I got out of bed early on Monday, it was like the apocalypse had hit. Coronavirus, COVID-19 caused major reactions around the world. Turned out the stock market wound up plummeting 2,000 points. 2,000 points on one day on Monday as a result of uh, COVID-19 and the oil market. Going into freefall, they were using the word collapsed as far as the oil market goes on uh, Monday. And Italy, the entire country, the entire nation, all of Italy on lockdown because of this uh, virus. Major sports leagues starting to adapt, to adjust to the new reality of this uh, virus. It wouldn't surprise me a bit to see empty ballparks when baseball season starts uh, here in a couple of weeks. No announcement of that yet. I'm just speculating, but it sure it would not surprise me a bit. The NBA talking about it as well. And it appears that this virus is mostly a threat to older people with underlying health issues at a significantly higher risk than younger people. But there's something different about this. I can't tell. I personally, I, I don't know how to react to this, and I know I'm not alone here. I can't tell if it's as bad as they're saying or if it's just the news media You know, working us all over for ratings. I mean, they got me on Monday. I watched the news pretty much all day on Monday trying to figure out what was going on. The death toll worldwide is up right around, I think, 4,000 people now. A little higher than that, probably at this point. But the coverage makes it feel like black death is upon us. Like the plague is back from the, the Middle Ages, right? I do not know what to believe, and therein lies the entire problem. The media coverage of COVID-19 is reminding me of the Weather Channel, how they sensationalize hurricanes before landfall. 
Like thousands and thousands of people could die if you're not careful. It reminds me of the same mentality, the Weather Channel and all these other media outlets, the same tack they take with a hurricane. I cannot tell what to believe. And I'm telling you, I hate to say this. I hate to say this, but this had better be a Cat 5. Or all faith in the media, all faith in the news media itself is going to collapse like the oil market. After truth era will be upon us in full. If this thing just peters out like Trump seems to think it will or hopes it will here in the next month or two. The way they are scaring people, stirring people into a frenzy. If this doesn't come to pass how they're saying it will or could, you will have, media, no credibility left with the public. You have a public responsibility to get this right. If we even want to hope and pray to have some common foundational base in reality moving forward. Especially with this election coming up. If this thing peters out and has a fraction of the casualty, I hate to say this, but it's being sold like Black Death. If it's not something down that line, people are just going to dismiss you like they do these hurricanes. Why are people evacuating from Charleston? Because they don't believe you. Because you have blown so much sensationalized smoke up their ass so many times. They have no reason to listen to what you say. You've cried wolf too many times. You've cried blitzer too many times. (laughs) And I pray to God, I pray to God that is not the case here. Because there will be no common foundational base of facts moving forward through this election season, if that's the case. All Trump has to do, fake news, look what they were saying about coronavirus. You can't afford that. Hell, half the country's already there. The media's been crying blitzer on us for 25 years. A little more, a little more, a little more, trying to juice it up, trying to to stoke that fear, trying to exploit the story for ratings, for ad dollars. They've been doing this for decades. And I'm afraid, and I'm not saying that hyperbolically. I am fearful that if this is another case of that, And we are going to have an informational apocalypse upon us. And I'm going to give you an example of this. Case in point, the stock market fell 2,000 points on Monday. Biggest drop point-wise ever. The next day, the stock market comes back and rebounds 1,100 points. It didn't get everything back. Fine. But it did so in virtual media silence yesterday. The good news was more than half of the losses from Monday were rebounded and recovered on Tuesday, yet there was hardly any coverage of that. While on Monday, it's an economic catastrophe. Wall to wall, when they could find time between that and the coronavirus stuff. When people talk about media credibility, when they hear this, when people are looking for partisanship and bias in the media, this is the kind of stuff That's all they have to point to. And it's hard for me to sit there and argue with them. How can I defend media? It's economic hell on Monday, but half of the stock, 1,100 points come back on Tuesday, and you ignore it for the most part. 
It was like they were passing a kidney stone when they had to say, well, 1,100 points are back. God damn it. Hyping everything in search of ratings and ad dollars, you do not know when to actually take them seriously. That is a problem. It's a huge problem. And again, it's an election year. The anti-Trump media complex wants to portray everything as a Trump blunder. A Trump blunder of incompetence. (laughs) To be honest, it's hard to argue some of that. I get that. There's some there there. And here's the thing. We're going to know exactly what's going on here in about a month. Because as somebody is on one of the news networks kept saying, you can't spin biology. We're going to know exactly how much smoke and fear they're blowing up our ass in probably about a month's time. There's not going to be anything to hide behind. You're not going to be able to spin that away. You're not going to be able to go on TV and explain, well, we thought, well, we were wrong. Oops. And the danger of that, when there's another public emergency, a real one, nobody's going to believe you. Nobody's going to listen to a damn thing you say. This is such a dangerous problem. And we're going to know in a month just how full of shit they are. And if that's the case, (laughs) post-truth or after-truth. I'm copywriting after-truth. It's a little Nietzsche thing. That's going to arrive as the new epic of our time. I've talked about informational warfare, that the great war of the 21st century is going to be information, data spin, propaganda, all of that. It's going to be ushered in in full. If they blundered and sensationalized this past the point where they can be believed on anything. People are just gonna they're just gonna withdraw into their informational tribes and they're gonna believe whatever it is their team is telling them because there is no objectivity left. It's all been surrendered to the profit margin, to the to the shareholders, to ratings, to add dollars. It's incredibly dangerous. When nobody can believe anything, they're just going to go find somebody to listen to. It doesn't matter as long as they like it, as long as they agree with it, as long as it, it plays into the schema, the pseudo-environment, the internal narrative, the grand design that they prefer to hear, that's what they're going to go listen to. And this country's going to rip down the middle even quicker than it already is because there's nothing, no place for anybody to go to get objective news information, current events reporting, whatever you want to call it. Truth is dead at that point. Incredibly dangerous. And we're all connected. And this this mistruth, this misinformation, this uh, boutique news, as connected as everyone is, is going to spread quicker than this damn virus is. It's instantaneous and it's global. And there's no anchor, no anchor of truth anywhere. There is no place to go. Incredibly dangerous. But again, to reiterate, the good news is that this isn't something, this COVID-19 thing is not something that someone ultimately is going to be able to spin away. Either way, either Trump or the media, they're not going to be able to, to stash this in most people's intellectual closet. If the economy plops in the toilet and splashes everyone's bud, there's not going to be too much the partisans can say to dismiss it. 
without becoming the focus of eye-rolling mockery and criticism. If everybody's suffering, if everybody can see the evidence of the economic collapse because of this virus, you're not going to be able to, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> you're just imagining being out of work. No, you're not going to be able to hide from that. And if this thing starts killing swaths of people, reality apathy isn't going to offer Trumpologists much shelter either. One way or another, one way or another, we're going to know who's right. The evidence is going to be self-evident. Evidence is going to be self-evident. Huh. That's good news, I, I guess. We're going to know who to point the finger at. I pray to God. It's not the media. I mean, as far as the fear-mongering goes, I'd like to believe, I guess, in my heart, that it is fear-mongering. I don't want to see piles of bodies. I don't want to see, you know, old folks' homes having a mass die-off because of this virus. And maybe that's it. But in the long run, again, not much to hide behind. Either way, if you got this wrong, if you're just doing this to exploit the ratings on top of the campaigns and everything else, people are going to figure this out. I think we'll have a pretty good idea in about a month. The idea that in a free society, in a democracy, that information has become a customized commodity. Customized being the key word here. A customized commodity to be marketed to certain segments of the population based on their preference, based on their ideological or grand design preference, is horrifying. You cannot make good, informed decisions on anything when everything you're basing that decision on is sold to you because you prefer it. And if there's nowhere else to go, God help you. Because if there's nowhere else to go, everything's going to be seen through the propaganda and team filter. And that is some industrial-grade tribalism waiting on your doorstep. Yay! Informational anarchy. Informational anarchy at some point, as connected as we are, as connected as we are, that informational anarchy could turn into real anarchy soon enough, or a crackdown to prevent or stifle said informational and literal anarchy. There is no way around this. There's no other way to really rationalize that away. How can you look down the road? How can you look down that path and see any exit ramp anywhere that doesn't end like that? I've been asking you to show your work for months and months and months. All you folks that just want to diminish the threat, diminish the idea that this isn't going to come home and roost as it tears the living room apart, sending feathers flying everywhere. How can you get there? How can you, with any intellectual honesty, how can you get there? I know it's unpleasant. I know nobody wants to hear it, nobody wants to believe it, nobody wants to accept it. It doesn't matter. Your wants are irrelevant here. Your desire to believe doesn't matter. Now, these are incredible times. I guess in, in some, I don't know, anthropological, 
conversation. These are incredible times to be alive. The world and people are changing so quickly. Technology is mutating information into a pure market commodity. Truth and the pursuit of objective truth, even a tentative connection to an external unfiltered reality is rapidly becoming a quaint, nostalgic idea. Yeah, maybe to some degree it was always an illusion. That's fine. It could be. (laughs) But without even the illusion, it appears that we've descended back into this naked tribal state with competing and incompatible. That's the key. Competing and incompatible realities, which are illusions. There are no multiple realities, only perspectives and perceptions, delusions. There's one reality that we all share. What you choose to perceive and how you choose to delude yourself is not reality. It's not your truth. And when you have masses and masses of people who are blindfolded, cannot see reality, cannot see truth from falsehood, as Mr. Lippman said, they do not remain free. One way or another, either you're going to go to war, you're going to, you're going to go into conflict with each other, somebody's going to win, therefore they're going to have to suppress the other half of the country or the other half of the population, or you get a crackdown from above. Daddy's going to come home, see the kids fighting in the living room and smack him in the ass. Daddy be in the state. Either way, either way you're not free. There comes responsibility with free speech, man. There comes a responsibility to be tethered somehow, in some way, shape, or fashion to truth. And it doesn't matter why you're not. It doesn't matter if it's out of just sheer ignorance and stubbornness or if it's because your media is only selling you what you want to hear. The result is the same. It ends the same way. It ends with you in a fucking chain. And when we descend into these personal truths and delusions, personal realities, I choose to believe this thing just because then we're descending into the, into the proselyte religious fanatic mind. It's good versus evil, the God-devil parable that I've talked about. Hitler versus Hitler, as Matt Taibbi put it in his book. And the rapid erosion of that thin veneer of civilization as well that accompanies the good versus evil, the Hitler versus Hitler, the God-devil. Are there any rules if you're fighting Hitler or the devil? And what if both sides see the other as Hitler or the devil? All rules out the window. No common foundation on which to live, cooperate, coexist. That is the id unleashed. To sort of analyze the politics of this, just a little bit, Donald Trump's worst enemy here in this election, and Joe Biden's best friend, might be the nostalgic sounds of English literacy and comparative sanity that are uh, emanating from the throat of Mike Pence every time he takes that podium to give us updates every day. He sounds like a sane human being. I know he's, he's batshit religious and all that, but comparatively speaking, he sounds like a fucking Rhodes Scholar compared to Donald Trump. It gives people a reminder of sanity, stability. It reminds us of how our country used to work coming from Mike Pence. I know, it's like the frog in the pot. I get that. Even George Bush right now. Sounds like 
Sounds like a poet laureate compared to Donald Trump. I get that. But seeing that, seeing someone who's calm, someone who can master how to uh, not only speak the English language, but convey an idea coherently, who's not wearing a MAGA hat to the CDC, I think that appeals to a lot of people. It does to me. I'm like, oh, God, yes, please, for the love of God, give me something like that. That's Joe Biden. Yeah, but then again, there's the base, the Trump base, and all they need to remember is that maybe Trump's a communicable disease natural. Did you hear that last week? Well, maybe I'm a natural. Okay. All right. And that the ridiculous shortage of testing kits, and there is a shortage, and people can't get them. There aren't enough of them still, that that shortage and those kits are phone call perfect. Fuck you. Fuck you, Donnie. has to invoke the Ukraine phone call at the CDC in a discussion about a testing kit shortage in an epidemic or perhaps a pandemic, however you choose to define it. This is what we have. You know, I know that I've been really nice to a lot of you conservatives for a long time. We had a common enemy, <laughs> the woke flakes. The woke flakes are about to be eradicated, at least from this election cycle. They're not going anywhere. I've got more on that coming up here in a minute. But as far as this election goes, that threat seems to be mitigated. So now we can turn our attention to the orange goblin in chief. You have got to be drunk if you see your president wearing a make or keep America great hat at the CDC discussing an epidemic and not be embarrassed to not feel some kind of just basic elementary shame that that is who represents you, that you've descended so far that you feel warm and fuzzy seeing that. The man can't even take the podium and speak knowledgeably about this. He sounds like a damn, oh, maybe I'm a natural. Fuck God. How? How are you getting this? How are you spinning this in your head? Well, at least he's not Obama. Is that it? At least he's not a socialist. He's a moron. Who? He doesn't give a shit about you. He doesn't give a damn about you. Did you see the, uh, the little tax break that he suggested? The income tax holiday. He wants that to run uh, through the election. Through the election. If this was a Democrat doing this, your skeptic alarm would be blaring. Why is it silent now? I ask you, why? How? How can you look at that creature in the White House and feel like he has your best interest in mind? I asked that question rhetorically. I know exactly how. There might be a podcast or two talking about that. Anyway, I've ranted enough. Let's move on, shall we? I'm going to do things a little different today. It's been a big week. Not only coronavirus, but also <laughs> the electoral virus is infecting the country. <laughs> Pretty big week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, break these up by topic, not by length. This isn't a, an issue of length, not concerning me too much. In fact, this one's probably exceedingly short. It's the 
shortest podcast I think I've done since 2014. But I want these two to sort of stand by themselves, stand alone, stand apart, make them a little easier to consume. There are a few other reasons for that as well. They don't really matter. So look for another episode. If you got this one, you probably got the other one. <laughs> Escapingthecave.com is the website. Fuck Twitter, no Facebook page. Make sure those feeds, make sure your subscriptions are set to Escaping the Cave. Don't settle for imitations, by God. Next podcast, The Primaries. It's probably posted right now. Go check it out. As always, thanks for clicking in. We'll talk to you next time. So long.